0: than a minute now. Tool time for 200. This term for a long-handled gardening tool can also mean an immoral pleasure seeker. Ken. What's a hoe? No. Whoa.
1: Whoa. Whoa. They teach you that in school in Utah, huh? Al. What's a rake? A rake is right. You select, Al. 400, please.
0: All right, Amonini, let's do this. What a nutty week this has been. I'm sorry, I'm recording this uh, late in the afternoon on Friday. And I apologize. Once again, personal business stuff got in the way this week. Just got off a chat with my friend Sue, who's uh, going to have a difficult time this weekend. She's going to do a memorial for a friend, and uh, she has to speak or she wants to speak. It's a difficult thing to do, really. You know, you you want to say the right things, and you don't want to cry. But you also don't want to make other people cry. You know, as you could try to think of the funny stuff, and it's okay. People are going to cry. It's a it's a memorial for somebody, but it's tough. I've done it three times, and it's it's just never it's never easy. It's different when you speak at a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> you have one job, you know. Be engaging, be interesting. Try to be funny. Don't piss off the bride. It's her day. It's not yours. It's not time for your stand-up routine. Anyway, you know, even more of my friends now have tested positive with this omicron virus, including some family members. Now, my friend slash family COVID counter is officially up to about twenty. And I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere now. You know, I head out for groceries. I do my exercise outside. But other than that, to hell with it. This fat bastard is contagious. California passed 7 million total cases now. 1 million being recorded this past week. We had that massive volcano erupt in Tonga. Russia is threatening to invade Ukraine. Our president gets up there, threatens action against them if they do it. Russia doubles down. They threaten action against us if we intervene. <laughs> and then Biden gets up there and says, I think they're definitely going to invade them now. Hey, assholes, can we just enjoy one full week of peace? I mean, do we constantly have to crank the amp to 11? And we're all going to go deaf soon if this shit doesn't calm down. And by deaf, I mean, <laughs> well replace the F with another letter. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Then this week, the U.S. government started offering uh, four free COVID tests to every household in the U.S. All you have to do, you go to this webpage on the Postal Services website, you sign up for it, and then they'll start shipping next week. Now, I thought this was fantastic, right? So everyone's sharing the link. I start sharing it. So, of course, the worst of my naysayer friends has to chime in. Says he heard that the tests don't work that people are testing positive when they really don't have it. So I do what I always do with this guy. I find the research paper on false positives, and I send him the study, even though I know he's not going to read it. In a massive sample case, less than 0.05% of all tests gave a false positive. So shut your pie hole. Take the test. He says this right after six people in our group tested positive. Everyone's showing symptoms. This is the same guy that said if we stopped testing, we'd have fewer cases of COVID. (laughs) That thinking. (laughs) That's like saying, hey, if the SEC stopped participating in the college football playoff, we'd have a true college football champion. Dumb fuck. I had questioned the NFL's decision to spread games out Saturday, Sunday, and Monday last week. They called it Super Wild Card Weekend. I got to tell you, I loved it. They spaced games out, so you could see every one of them, if you wanted to, didn't miss anything. So the Chiefs advanced, Bengals are in, along with the Bills, Buccaneers, 49ers, and the Rams. This weekend is going to be messy, I'm telling you. Someone's getting upset, and I think I know who it's going to be. In fact, I think two home teams are going to lose. It's going to be mayhem. Jesse sent me something incredibly funny last week. There's this kid on Instagram, Meals by Cooge. He's this tall, skinny kid from an Italian-American family in New York with a really weird-shaped face. He's got a big mop on his head. He's got glasses. His voice sounds nothing like he looks. He's fucking hilarious, but you'll get old of him quick. He reviews a bunch of mom-and-pop holes in the wall in New York. Sometimes he cooks. It's almost always Italian food. He's got quite the shtick. He starts every video by saying, Cousine, which means cousin. He always signs off with his tagline, Take care, brush your hair. He drinks Diet Coke constantly, which is kind of ironic. (laughs) Because the kid puts down food like an alcoholic knocks down shots at an open bar. And he's rail thin to begin with, but he's addicted to this DC, he calls it. He's funny as hell. His jokes are all tongue-in-cheek, but you know, people could see it as sexist. He's always making jokes about your sister. If he doesn't like something, he tells them to go scratch their ass, and he rates food on a mudones scale. So 10 out of five mudones means it's beyond excellent. If it's five out of five mudones, it's basically just average, but not horrible. You go below five mudones. Go scratch your ass," as he would say. <laughs> like it's not worth your time. He's just funny to watch, even funnier to listen to. Here's a sample.
1: Oh, Go Jane, I don't know what's been wrong with me. I've been on a bit of a health kick. I've been on the cycling bike, you know, trying to get some exercise. Because other than that, the only exercise I get is with your sister. won't be a two-pump chump. That just ain't cutting it, you know what I mean? I'm pumping on the calories over here. Diet Coke, though, you know, living the dream. This thing's been in my car for like two weeks. It's ice cold. It's been through all stages of ice cold. It's fucking at it as well. Anyways, Codoba, where you been? I got the bowl. Some spicy chicken. My asshole's gonna be on fire later, but YOLO. Guacamole, it's a superpower food. Quality. Codoba, way better than Chipotle. Chipotle can go scratch its ass. Fucking like seven out of five mod easily. Take care, brush your hair.
0: And he manages to choose the most Goomba of all Goomba Italian joints in New York. So much so that my brother and I We're planning to visit my sister in New York at some point this year. I have more places I want to try in the city than I have time. When I was growing up, my mother always said that our family was Italian-American, even though my grandparents came from Sicily. So if anyone ever asked, I'd always say that my grandparents were Italian. Until one day, I was at this private dinner, cooked by these two cooks that were actually from Italy. And Katrina makes the mistake. She says, my husband's family's from Italy. And she asked me where in Italy. I said, actually, not Italy, Sicily. My grandparents were from uh, Castellamini in uh, Agrigento. She immediately starts mocking Sicilians. She said they're like garvons, which means they're pigs, that they overindulge. They have no self-control. Now, back then, I was very sensitive. I took this as a personal attack. I mean, you can insult me all you like, but refer to my grandparents as sloths, and you don't even know them. Hell, I mean, they died before I was even born, but my brother and my sisters, they remember them. Yeah, that's crossing the line. Ruined my night, but we got through it. Anyway, it made sense to me, right? Because Sicilians were always referred to as the shit that wouldn't fit in the boot, right? Italy had a lot of affluent people. Sicily had nothing but peasants. Italy has Rome, the Vatican, the Pope, Monza. Sicily has the Black Hand, the Mafia. They eat donkey meat. And it explains why every time I would go with my mom to the Italian market, she'd order lunch meats and other stuff in Italian. And they'd look at her funny. They'd, they'd ask her to speak English. My mother's Italian dialect you know, wasn't the Italian that they knew. It was like broken Brooklyn Italian. Almost equivalent to Spanglish. But that doesn't give you the right to look down on people. Italians can't stand Italian or Sicilian Americans. You know, maybe they're stuck up motherfuckers and no one likes them either. Well transplants in America, they flourish, and they plant in their, you know, Sicilian or American flag. To them we butcher their food, we butcher their language, we butcher their culture. It's like my family, the Marsalas, Grecos, Ciceros, Gilias, the Carbones. It's like they flipped the middle finger to the cultural history of that country. And they did it because Italy never respected Sicily in the first place. Imagine living your life, playing second fiddle to a neighboring country who constantly looks down on you. Anyway, veered way off topic here. <laughs> I always take that shit personally. I don't know. But that kid's a riot. Look him up. Meals underscore by underscore C-U-G. He's on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. His videos are very short, right to the point. Hilarious. You know, don't get offended. He's just trying to be funny. He's constantly breaking balls. And this is why I think for the money, you're not going to find funnier people than New Yorkers or people from Boston who grew up in one of these Italian-American households. Funny ball breakers, always a good time.
1: Cousine, happy feast of the seven fishes. It's smelling like a sorority house on a Saturday night over here. Gonna make a little fruite de mare, seafood salad. The only salad you ever see me fucking eating. We got shrimp. We got galamad, like a gentleman. Lobster, cause we're fancy Italians over here in Staten, Italy. Scongel, it's conch shell. Don't get fucking crazy on me. And uh, a little parsley for the health. Garlic, celery. Mainly just because uh, I don't like the celery. But my mom's like, nah, you gotta do celery. tradition. Here, go scratch your ass. Fresh fucking lemon over here, on, And a little Sicilian olive oil from the other side. Dump all that in. You think this olive oil is lasting long? It's about three weeks in my household. That's down and dirty. Little fucking, how you doing? Real simple seafood salad, nice easy pasta, beautiful. I'm going to be like 10 out of 5 model and believe me when I tell you, enjoy your holiday.
0: Take care brush your head. Ah, Sinead O'Connor. Ended up posting a tweet storm last week and it got dark quick. She talked about how she can't live on this earth without her son and that she was going to go follow him. And people got alarmed and I guess someone called the cops on her. When she tweeted that she was with the cops and they were going to take her to the hospital, but this was only going to delay the inevitable. What a horrible, tragic thing to read. You know, if this is how the final chapter of her life goes, I hope she gets some help, but you know, people like her seem so far gone. I don't know how much hope she can get before she takes you know enough steps backwards to do something stupid. Ah, oh, the other thing this week, Ghislaine Maxwell. Jeffrey Epstein's sidekick, she was found guilty last month, right? She faces the rest of her life in prison. Well, they gave her 60 years. Who knows if she's going to get out? Well, apparently, there were eight John Does in the case who were involved. Many of them uh, were believed to be high-level people with very famous names. And their names were protected during the case. But the prosecution was fighting to have the names released. So now Maxwell is no longer going to fight to keep those names hidden. she's going down. Why not, right? So it's now up to the judge to determine if the name should be revealed or not. But each of these eight John Does have retained counsel who will fight to keep the names private. I don't see how or why they should be protected, okay? They messed around with underage girls. Their names should be brought to light. Harvey Weinstein didn't get off and he didn't play around with underage girls. I'm especially interested because there are some very famous names rumored to be in that group. And I don't think you should be protected if you've indeed done something this horrible, this egregious. I don't care how famous or rich or powerful you are. It's inexcusable. The prosecuting attorney said, generalized aversion to embarrassment and negativity that may come from being associated with Epstein and Maxwell is not enough to warrant continued sealing of information. This is especially true with respect to this case of great public interest, involving serious allegations of the sex trafficking of minors. Now that Maxwell's criminal trial has come and gone, there is little reason to retain protection over the vast swaths of information about Epstein and Maxwell's sex trafficking operation that were originally filed under seal in this case. Like if you did something stupid, like you stole something or you cheated on your taxes, That, you can keep it under wraps. You pay the money back, pay a fine, sweep it under the rug. But this is sex trafficking of minors. There's no going back on this. People get their money back, but these girls will never be the same again. This is serious stuff. We deserve to know who was involved. Rumor has it, one of the names is royalty, if you follow. That's how big this can get. And if you watch that documentary series on Epstein on Netflix... You see some of the famous people who hung out with him on his island. You see pictures. You put two and two together, right? You begin to understand who might go down with the ship here. And don't give me the bullshit either, like, just because they were pictured with him, it doesn't mean they were involved in this. (laughs) Dude, if you walk into a room and it smells like crap, it's obvious someone broke ass. All of the people in the room saying it wasn't me doesn't add up. Somebody did it. I was managed to find a way to compare something serious to passing gas. Welcome to the highbrow portion of the show.
1: Cousines, happy Sunday. I'm doing a little sausage and peppers. First things first, I'm going to poke some holes in the sausage. I don't want it to have like an aneurysm mid-fucking saute. So you throw a little holes in there, this way it don't pop, get all over the place. Cousine, we're only going to do like an onion... Half a red pepper, half an orange pepper. This fucking thing is duller than my date last night. Forget about it. I don't want too many vegetables in here. You know what I mean? I still want to clog my arteries and fuck my heart disease up. I always go the extra mile to getting the fucking heart disease and salad in the same dish. So we're cooking the vegetables in the sausage fat. Now we're going to throw the sausage back in there. Throw it in the oven. Like 20 minutes how you doing. Let it all, you know... Combine, get a little how you're doing together. Should be cooked. We don't want no salmonella on Sunday. you know what I mean? No salmonella Sundays over here. 25 minutes later, we're looking gorgeous. Little shrinkage going on, but that's all right. We'll just use two how you're doings. Massive amount of salad going in. Sausage and pepper salad all done. You know, look at this beautiful cross section. I'm not gonna eat this on camera because I'm a fucking gentleman and I have respect for myself, but anyways, Take care. Brush your hair.
0: Read a great uh, quote the other day. Henry Miller is a very famous turn-of-the-century author and poet. He once wrote that the best way to get over a woman is to turn her into literature. Thought about this. Got me to thinking. Almost everyone's had their heart broken by someone. Some more than others. If you're one of the lucky ones, never to have your heart broken or crushed, I tip my cap to you, you lucky son of a bitch. But for the rest of us, for the rest of you, I want you to think about this. Who was it who broke your heart the most? And if you were to write a book about them, even if it was just a poem, what would the title of that book or poem be? This is like a creative exercise, all right? doesn't necessarily mean that you're not over them. Obviously, you are. At least, I hope you are. Outside of the tragedy of the, the two most important relationships in my life, that I've had my heart broken by a girl only one time. And when I say she broke my heart, she fucking stomped on it. Like a bag of dog shit you light on fire and you leave on someone's front porch and ring the doorbell. Just annihilated it. And I was really young. Had never had feelings that strong for anyone before. She just couldn't keep it in her pants. She was young. We had no business being that involved. But the fact that she did it to me once... I forgive her, bring her back, only to have her do it to me again. I think it's worthy of me to give the title of my story, La Puntana. (laughs) When that shit happens to you at a young age, man, you grow to have mistrust for the opposite sex. You'll have trust issues. And you learn to read the signs going forward. Like when you first meet someone, you don't know if you can trust them. Trust has to be earned. And maybe it's better for you if it happens at a young age. Often it happens late into a marriage. Then you're really fucked. You may never trust again. Like I watched this movie about this young guy who meets a girl in his office, starts to fall for her. She starts showing interest in him, kisses him, and they start to see each other. But she's up front with him, right? She only wants to be friends, but it gets more involved. She want a serious relationship. They start sharing intimate moments together. They hang out all the time. They have sex. Eventually, even before the year is up, he's showing more signs of getting more serious with her. She starts to back off. Then she tells him it's not working and they have to go back to being friends. Now, he refutes all of this. He says it's obviously more than that. Well, apparently it wasn't. He just wasn't seeing the signs. When she eventually meets someone else, she gets engaged And when he sees her again, he asks her, I thought you didn't want to be in a serious relationship. Why this guy? Her response was simple. And this is a good one. She said, I never felt the way for you that I feel for him. I didn't want a serious relationship with you. I knew I'd know it when I met the right person, something like that. So oftentimes when we have our hearts broken, it's because we're so infatuated with the idea of being partnered with another person that we don't see the obvious signs that they're not feeling it. Or that there are discrepancies when they're clear as day. But for the record, she did send mixed signals. I mean, this story was flawed. If you want to just be friends, you don't kiss. You certainly don't have sex with somebody. Friends with benefits has no benefits when all is said and done. Believe me. And maybe you can say I'm obsessed with any content that surrounds the truth behind these social media influencers. Whether it's an article or a doc or even a fictional story. But if I see one or one is recommended to me, I'm all over it. Because I I just love it when you get the real dirty truth about these people. Oftentimes, they're not making any real money with it, right? The life you see them living online is fake. They're either living off a trust fund money or maxing out their credit cards just, you know, in order to live this lavish lifestyle in hopes, right, of, of turning it into an actual business once they get enough companies to pay them for product exposure, right? They buy followers by the tens of thousands, But no one ever really knows. They don't know the truth. There was another movie that popped up the other night. Ingrid Goes West with Aubrey Plaza. She plays this mentally disturbed girl who's addicted to Instagram, addicted to influencers on Instagram. So she stalks this girl, eventually moves to California, finds out where this girl lives, kidnaps her dog, then returns it and becomes close friends with her. Then the more time she spends with this chick the more she sees how little her real life resembles the life that she lives on Instagram. I'm not going to ruin it in case you decide to watch it, but it served up the exact message I like seeing served. How many people fall for this bullshit? How many young kids fall for it? They end up trying to be just like these people. Fucks with your head. That's what it does. If you spend most of your life living vicariously through others, you end up with no life of your own. Go do your own thing and stop documenting every single aspect of your life and, you know, just looking for attention. I think a lot of these people have daddy or mommy issues, never got enough attention, so they go online for it. Like if you do or see something or you create something cool, you want to share it, that's awesome. If you're on this big trip, you want to share your experience with the people that you know, absolutely, that's what it's for. But every single day, showing what an awesome life you're living, when it's really not all that awesome. No one's life is that awesome. That's it's toxic behavior. My favorite people were the ones who would overshare on Facebook. Guy had a friend. He must have drunk posted one night. It was God awful. The next day, had to issue an apology for being inappropriate. said his wife made him apologize, and that he's probably not going to be getting any for the next couple of weeks which is basically oversharing once again. Can't even take a clean exit. Had to dig an even deeper hole for himself. It's an absolute dumpster fire. And every time I'd see shit like this, I'd ask myself, why was I still on here? But it was a drug. I'd always come back tomorrow. Then here I am, spewing my bullshit for 30 minutes every week. Like, who's the real attention whore? Like this. I think it was January 3rd. I was going to shave which I really don't like doing. And I looked in the mirror and I thought, hey, you know, that's not too bad. I'm going to wait another day. No one's going to see your face anyway, right? So the next day, day after that, I just decide, fuck it, I'm not going to shave today. So after about a week, I decide, I'm going to make this no-shave January. No one sees my face in public anyway. I'm masked up everywhere, except on my bike or when I'm out golfing. I can't say I'm, I wasn't shaving because, you know, I'm growing out the mustache and the goatee, everything else gets cleaned up. But I'm letting this thing fly this month, right? So now I'm thinking I might keep it until February 15th when the mask mandate is expected to be lifted, even though I know it's not going to be. I can do this because nobody sees me but my friends and my daughters anyway. Katrina hated it if I'd go a week without shaving, didn't like kissing, you know, facial hair. My second wife loved it, never had a problem, and I'd go a couple weeks without shaving. In fact, I had to let it go for like three and a half weeks once. So I finally I shaved, but I decided I'm going to leave the center of the mustache intact as a joke, like a Charlie Chaplet or a Hitler stash. So I finish come into the bedroom to get dressed. She looks over at me and says, is that a Hitler mustache? I didn't even answer. I just jokingly put my hand up in the air SS style. And she was a joker. She says, I dare you to go out in public with that just once. She even up the ante, she dared me to take her to Cantor's Deli in L.A. to and wearing it. Cantor's is this famous Jewish deli. I was like, no way, I'm I'm laughing my ass off. But I went right back in a bathroom, shaved it off. And she was daring. She'd do shit like that, but I would never. A, it's offensive as hell. All right, it's it's a funny when it's a joke between us, but I don't want to be that guy. And B, I get my head kicked in pretty much anywhere wearing a stash like that. Michael Jordan tried it once. I don't have those kinds of balls. So anyway, fast forward to this morning. I wake up, put on some clothes, including my down jacket because it's a little chilly in the house. I walk into the bathroom. I looked in the mirror and I thought to myself, Dude, you look like a homeless person. And one hot shower later, that thing came right off my face. Back to ground zero. I realize now that three weeks is about my limit. If I could grow a full ass beard, like my brother or Don or Mark, I'd probably be okay with it, but I can't stand looking at myself in the mirror. That's when it's time to shave it, get a haircut. People like to talk about their dreams like they actually mean something. Like they'll wake up, they'll remember them, they'll think about it. This happens to me a lot, right? I'll start trying to analyze my dreams. Like, why was I thinking about this person? Why were we doing this activity, whatever it was? Why was I in this place? What does that mean, right? Is, is that my unconscious mind trying to tell me something? You want to know what I think? I'll tell you what I think. I think we pack away a bunch of silly shit in our memories. And when we're unconscious, our brains have nothing else to do. So they unpack it, have a fun field day with it while we're sleeping. It holds no true meaning. They're just memories. Sometimes played out as fantasies or uh, ideal scenarios. Sometimes someone will appear in my dream that I hadn't thought of for a couple years. Like, where in the hell did that come from? And we're eating ice cream together. I don't eat fucking ice cream. This is weird. That's usually when I wake up. Like, I used to dream that I was falling or that I couldn't find my wallet while I was out in public or that my car had gone missing. I wake up right away from those dreams because they're unsettling and stupid. And I start trying to rationalize how I got there in the first place. You know, you think too much, it wakes you up. Sometimes I prefer to be the person who says, I don't dream. You ever have someone tell you that? (laughs) I don't dream? Listen, they dream. They just don't remember them. Now, Freud said, your your dreams reveal your repressed wishes to you. Now, in some cases, I think this might be true. Like, you know, I'm spending the day with one of my wives or my mom, or I'm batting clean up for the Dodgers, but I can't rationalize how having my wallet stolen or falling off a mountain would be a repressed wish of mine. So Freud was half right half the time.
1: Now to a frightening moment that played out on live television. Toy Yorge, a reporter for WSAZ, that's the NBC
0: affiliate in Huntington, West Virginia. She was about to do a live report when she was accidentally hit by a car. Take a look. Unfortunately, in freeze-thaw, we see this,
1: water main breaks. Oh. Hit by a car, but I'm okay. I just got hit by a car, but I'm well, okay, Tim. That's perfect. Um, okay. Tori. Ooh, we're all good. Are you okay? I'm okay. Yeah, you know that's live T V for you. It's all good. I actually got hit by a car in college too, just like that. Wow. I am so glad I'm okay.
0: Yeah. You're okay. Uh we're so oh glad gosh. too, Tori. So the driver of that SUV awesome. did stop to make sure she was okay. Oh my gosh. But get this, you're okay, who was all alone. No photographer, yeah. as you can see there, she goes on to finish the live shot with the report about the weather situation there uh, in Dunbar, West Virginia. Later, she did go to the hospital to get checked out. She is said to be doing just fine this morning. Talk she's about She is my hero. Oh, my word. Never she, seen that. Yeah. I she mean, said
1: this, I think her last week there. Yeah, it, it said, is. Yeah. Well, I hope she got yeah. a big job. Yeah, okay. <laughs> she's, exactly. she's an intrepid reporter. I'm impressed. Indeed.
0: Can you believe that shit? What a stud reporter this, this woman is. Gets hit by a car, gets right up, sets the tripod back up, continues filming herself to finish her report. And it happened once to her before in college. <laughs> Say what you will about journalists, man, but they're tough as fucking nails sometimes. I remember when uh, Laura Logan was working as a war correspondent for CBS back in uh, 2011, I think. She was with her crew reporting on the Egyptian revolution. When her entire crew, they were kidnapped blindfolded, handcuffed, and detained. And then two weeks later, she's reporting yet again from Egypt when uh, the guy was filming her, bat- the the camera, the battery uh, failed. She was overcome by anywhere from like two to three hundred men and was sexually assaulted for about half an hour. I guess one of the Egyptian CBS crew was telling her you know, they needed to leave. Then later he told her, he heard the crowd making inappropriate sexual comments about her. And I guess she felt hands touching her and was heard shouting, "Stop and stop, stop!" just before the, the battery died in the camera. The guys were screaming that she was an Israeli, a Jew, and that was enough to get these guys going. So they sexually assault her, And yet she continued to do her job. I don't know how they do it sometimes. But anyway, let's state the obvious here. How the fuck do you hit somebody who's standing still with your car? Like totally knock them on their ass with your car. They're standing right there. She wasn't moving. It's not like she walked in front of your car. <laughs> Are you okay? Well, you just knocked me and my camera over with your car, but yeah, I'm all right. Get check that woman's driving record. Jesus Christ! Hey, Ozark fans, buckle up! Netflix released part one of season four today, so you can binge watch her ass off this weekend. Seven episodes now, and then seven episodes will come later, and that's it for this for the series. Jason Bateman was interviewed yesterday. He explained why networks and studios do this, cut a season into two parts. When you sign a contract to be on a show, there's often a stipulation that, you know, if it goes into another season, you'll get paid more money. So instead of making season four, then season five, they cut season four into two parts so they can get the actors to do 14 episodes at their going rate instead of having to pay them more money for another season. They did this with the Sopranos when they finished The Sopranos. I never knew this. It sucks, but that's show business. Cocksuckers. And we wonder why Netflix keeps increasing their rates. Jesus. All right, I got to get the hell out of here. I got to make some dinner. It's been a long week. Hey, once again, I'm not sure I even had a point with this show. (laughs) That's two in a row. Oh, here's my point. Wear a mask. All right, we're almost through this. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, my name is Phil, and this has been a name. Ciao.